The reason why I got Spencer Burnett onto this podcast is because he's a really, really smart dude. I heard a lot of good things about him. I really just wanted to meet him and have a chat with him myself because he sounded really, really super cool. The things that I liked about Spencer from what I heard about him is that, well, first of all, he builds the back ends of you know seven and eight figure businesses. He's really, really good with seeing problems and then finding the solutions that I kind of wanted to get into his noggin and understand how he did it. So I think that anybody who is a business owner, anybody who wants to be a business owner, or wants to understand how somebody like this thinks will get a lot of benefit from this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. We're live. Thanks for coming on, sir. Thanks for having me, dude. I'm excited. as As we were discussing before this, like, how do we describe what you do? Like, what is the best way to define what you do as Spencer Burnett? What I do is I help companies that are growing really fast, that they almost break. Speed kills, right? And uh, in growth without stability causes an implosion. So what I do is I help companies that are at that growth phase where if they are to double their business in the next six months, it'll actually crumble the business. Why would it crumble the business? Well... I mean, think about it. I deal with some companies that are building masterminds and, uh, and coaching programs. And I ask them the question, if we were to double your clientele tomorrow, how would this thing break? And usually it would be like their team members would have a nervous breakdown because usually they're already on, on the edge of that. Delivery would start to suffer and the clients wouldn't be getting the attention that they, that they need in order for them to move through the program. And you know the, the communications between the sales team and the admin team and the delivery team would you know, continue to struggle. When you've got a company doing you know, 100K or less a month, well, it's, it's easy to solve problems through conversations. Well, as soon as you start hitting that 300, 400, 500 a month, it, like, you don't have time enough for those conversations. So when your business starts to scale, when your business starts to, to, to scale, not only are you scaling your marketing, your sales, and your delivery, but you're also scaling your problems. And so little problems can be taken care of through just, hey, can I get 20 minutes of your time? We 10x that. No, you can't have two, you can't, you can't have 200 minutes of my time. And so systems, it, so the, the way that the company needs to operate the operating system of the company, the way that it thinks, its mindset needs to completely change in order for it to be able to, to sustain its growth. So the small cracks at the start when you're doing sub 100K a month start getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until yeah. the point where it all falls down. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and the thing is, is like you don't want to throttle your sales team you don't want to throttle your, your, your marketing. That is a cardinal sin of business. Like don't slow down sales. And so, and so it ends up falling onto delivery operations, admin, and now you need to hire more people, but you don't got a process for that. So you hire 10 new people. And then three months later, seven of those people are gone. And the, the expense, the energetic expense, the financial expense, of employee turnover is huge, but there's not enough time to onboard people, let alone enough time to build a system to onboard people. And so you're, you're now you're, you're, you're playing this game and previous to, you know, making that, you know, getting that hundred K those hundred K months money would solve all of your problems. It was just like, make more sales problems go away. At some point money is not solving a problem. The money coming in is the problem. 
And so that's where you need a brand new way of thinking and operating in your business. How did you get into doing this? I was an entrepreneur from the womb. You know, I, eight years old, I you know, did the classic lemonade stand and stuff. I started my first money-making organization where we, I taught kids how to make money and, and did ref share deals with them <laughs> and, uh, and stuff when I was 10. Um, Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I so I would when my parents would go bowling, I would I, I came up with games to hustle people and gamble during bowling. I'd bet them for the strike and then I I'd double down for the spare. It was a, a game like that. So I was I was teaching other kids how to do that, and you had to pay a 30% revenue share for that. We'd pool the money together and we would then like throw parties. We'd do some cool shit. And those meetings, like we had roles, responsibilities, we had meeting minutes, we had uh, we had budgets, we had OKRs. If we didn't call them OKRs at the time, we had uh, membership cards. We had a recruitment process. I remember we were building a, a clubhouse. I hired a GC, worked up some architectural drawings. Like we were legit, bro. We were legit at, at ten. Uh, yeah. Who, who yeah. taught you to do that? Yeah, I'm a weird cat, bro. Like. When I refer to myself as, uh, you know, because I've got quite an, uh, you know, eccentric personality, right? And so when I refer to myself as like a savant level genius, I'm not joking. Like I did terrible in school. I talked my way into a 1.9 GPA graduating, you know, school. I failed intro to business at community college. I'm not certified in anything. I've read 15 books in my life and barely comprehended them. I read on like a seventh grade level and I've never really had like a mentor or, or anything. A lot of the stuff that I do, especially like now with, uh, with systems and, you know, when I was in the fitness industry and when I was in the dating industry, I thought I just made all this shit up, man. And people are like, oh yeah, I'm certified in this. I know what you're talking about. I'm like, I got no clue. And my brain's just wired a different way. And I have a, I've got, my brain works backwards. So I can't create from nothing. I have to create from problems. I'm really good at taking complicated things and reverse engineering them to make them more simple and then make them better. So like if you came to me, you're like, hey, I need a system for my business. Like I wouldn't be the guy to do that. But if you're, if you're like, my business is screwed, we're spending way too much time doing this, these things are falling through the cracks. Well, then I can map out your consciousness, your behavior, your belief system and build a system as an extension of who you are and not a system of which you need to operate within. And so throughout, you know, throughout my 21 years of being an entrepreneur, I've, I've been in the fitness space. I've been in the, the NLP space, even though I'm not certified in NLP. I've done medicine journeys and spiritual healing. I've, uh, I was a dating and sex expert for a while. And I have an ability to take excellence and failures and be able to re- reverse engineer them and just plug it into my head. So like whatever I choose to focus my thing on, I can teach myself how to be pretty exceptional at it. So, well, most people who get a 1.9 GPA, which is barely passing, right? The GPA is out of four in the US. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. And it's yeah. barely passing. Like most people who do that don't really have a crack, like let alone go into business a lot of the time. Why did you keep going if it's if it's clear that you're not the best learner in the traditional sense? I actually had this conversation uh, the other day. The school system failed me, man, terribly. And it pissed me off big time. And then when I got in uh when I got into to business, I was 19 years old. 
So and just, quickly, I, just go back. What do you mean by it failed you? I mean, the intention of the education system is to, to set you up for success in life by teaching you. And what they did is they said, here's the box, operate within this box, and we'll tell you how good you are at operating in that box. And I'm I just like, that's not the way I function. I don't and think anyone functions that way, man. It's, it's different for each person. Everyone's a, a, a unique learner. And so the way that the system set up is, is to make you a good worker, not a good creator. It's not built around independent thinking in ingenuity and critical thinking and negotiation and and strategic thinking, right? And I was I was very you know lucky to have parents that recognized that that I was different. I also was born with an autoimmune disease that caused me to get extremely high fevers, like I'm talking 105, 106, um, every four to six weeks. Of my life. So I've literally been physically tortured over 200 times. And the medical system failed me. You know how many doctors I went to, bro, where they're, they're like, oh no, we're going to take care of this. I was the 14th person with the disease that I had. They didn't know shit. And so it's like, I either have to quit or I have to figure it out. And there's just like the, the quit gene in me isn't, it doesn't exist. Like I, I was born to learn to survive. Like I said, I've been physically tortured over and over and over again. So it's either you choose to die or you choose to figure out how to live. What effect all that? Like having, because that would have fucking sucked, man. Like 105, 106 is hot. Like for us in Celsius, it's going to be like 38, 40 type thing. It's like, that's hot. That's really hot. Like what impact did that have on you on, on the way that you think that all that suffering from a young age? In order to stop me, you have to kill me. And if you're not going to kill me, then. I'm going to take whatever complicated thing was given to me. And once I sort through it out, on the other end of that is wisdom. So you can either be a victim and let it crush you, or you can navigate through it and steal all its secrets. That, then that's, that's the thing about like problems and darkness and demons and monsters and, and all that shit. People run from that shit. No, in the darkness is where the gold is. If you're courageous enough to step into it. And so that, so it, it taught me, you know, perseverance. It taught me not to, tr- not, not to trust, for lack of better terms, the man. Like mm. all of collective medicine could not heal me. I healed myself. When I turned 30, rewired my brain, never got sick again. And Can not only that, that, yeah. So with my disease, they said after like decades, they, they, found out that if you got your tonsils removed, that like 80% of, of the people that had this were relieved of all of the symptoms. But no doctor would touch me because I was an adult and it was considered an elective surgery because it's not a very popular disease. And so I'm like, are you fucking, am I able to swear here? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, are you, I'm like yeah, sorry. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I've been tortured for, for, for decades and there, this is a possible solution. You know how much crazy fucking stuff I've done and you won't, you won't do this. And I was pissed. And I realized that, you know, what I, when I would get sick, I would get swollen glands and I'd start to get a headache and it would, it would trigger me. It was like, when, you know, when you get a headache, it's probably like, oh, I might want to lay down, take an aspirin or, you know, uh, cold compress in the head or whatever. When I get a headache, it's a trigger. It's a whisper. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. And it's like, prepare because you're about to, you're about to go down. 
And what would happen to me is like during major moments in my life, when I opened my first, when I opened my first business, when I did my first bodybuilding show, when I wrote my first book, when I got engaged to be married, when I like all these big moments, I would get sick and I'd be hospitalized. And then I realized that when that would happen, I would get triggered. I'd fight and be like, fuck this. I'm going to work my ass off. And then once it knocks me down, I'm going to rebuild back my, myself up and go again. Then I realized it's not working against me. It is actually telling me what to do, but it's delivering it in a way that's a little painful. So it's a headache, but really what it is, is a tap on the shoulder of my consciousness being like, hey, slow down. But instead, I was doing the opposite. You know, speeding up and pushing forward. through. Yeah. Like, yeah. like most men, it's like just push through, go harder, harder, harder. So yeah. then what did you do? Like, what do you do to, to manage that so that when that little headache, the little tap comes in and says, hey, slow down? Like, how do you actually slow down? By polarizing the thing that was actually making me sick. That's that's the secret, man. The to, to healing. What do you mean is, by that? Is, polarizing. Is, is polarization, doing the opposite. And so it was like that would hit and it would trigger the competitive side of me and be like, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to beat, you know, I'm going to beat this, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to work through it. I'm going to work even though I'm sick. And now it's like, I can recall, I had, a, I had a client that I was working with for like nine months and she finally signed her first client, $18,000 paid in full. And when she told me, I like, I, I cried and I was like charged up. And it was not, it's not only negative stress that triggers me. It's any type of just massive charge. Mm. And I started, glands started getting swollen. And I started like, I started like my body started shutting down out of an overwhelm of joy. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm out. I left the event and I, I went home and I, and I, I get into my practices. I get in, I get into my notebook, which even though I told you I, I moved and all of my stuff is upstairs, all I got is my mic, computer, and my notebook. Get back into my breath work, get back into my meditations, get back into the connection that I have with my guides, with, with, with the creator, with your, with your body. And so- What do you mean by the guides and the creator? Like, what do you do there? Well, the, the human, you know, the, the universe as we perceive it has different dimensions of existence, right? You've got the, you've got earthly stuff, plants, rocks, trees, and shit like that, right? It simply just exists. The second is creatures, right? They're made out of matter, like the first dimension, but they also have like instincts and they can move and make this and make decisions. Third level is humans. Like we're animals, but we have the ability to perceive the future and remember the past. And so, uh, because we have language that allows us to do that grammar. And then the fourth level is the ethereal world. And the ethereal world is that angel on one shoulder and the, the, the devil on the other. And in, in this ethereal world, it's a world that you can't see, but you definitely can experience similar to Wi-Fi. No one's ever seen Wi-Fi, but we can experience the effects of it because me and you are in two totally different sides of the world. And so it's the same thing with the spirit, with the spiritual world. And there are creatures there similar to there's creatures like plants and trees and, you know, creatures like dolphins and dogs and beetles, and then humans, don't get me started there. And then in the ethereal world, there are, there are creatures, angels, different types of angels uh, out there. And again, every religion talks about this. They just use a different vernacular. And then there's demons or monsters or whatever. And they're, they're, they're the negative beings. 
And then at the top level is the creator. It's everything that is, right? The all, right? The, the, the universe. And so humans have this really incredible privilege that we're the only creatures in the universe that get to experience consciously all five of those levels simultaneously because dogs can't meditate and call their friends and plan their birthday party two years in advance. And angels can't eat pizza or have sex, right? And so humans get to be able to, to experience this. And so there's all, there's different messages that we get both from joy and from pain. Nevertheless, they're all objective messages that are delivered through two different types of emotions, negativity, positivity. But nevertheless, we think that our monsters, our demons are fighting against us and our angels are there for us. No, no, no. They're all conspiring for your well-being. They just communicate in different ways. Does this make sense? Yeah, totally. But when you say that like, that we have the ability to access all five levels, I would argue that most people only access the first three. Because if you look at the way we are these days, we're pretty spiritually like dumbed down. I mean, I even look at myself before I started getting into my hippie stuff, right? And meditating more and reading more and understanding religions and Taoism and pre- like power now and, and presence and whatnot, like all that sort of stuff. We're not very connected. So in your experience, what is the best way to get connected with those two upper levels? Step one is like awareness. It's like a report card, right? And although I didn't do well in school, the, the you know, analogy remains the same. You've got English, you got math, you got science. You got, you got reading, you got physical education, all, all the things, right? And you need to make sure that a well-balanced person has, is, is like doing well in, in each one of those things, right? Now, what happens in school if you're like failing math? You get a tutor. You get someone who's really good at it and you got to put in extra time to balance out the deficiencies that you're dealing with because of whatever struggle you're having. And so, that in that that's why like mentorship is so important is because if you're struggling with the connection to your body and your cells are sick and they're slow yeah just on a, on a cellular level you're not you're not doing well you got to seek guidance there and accountability and if your your systems your body your muscles your lungs aren't working again same thing on a human level like if you know if you're struggling with your relationships or your your place in life right and the same thing with the spiritual level like if you're if you're struggling with like what am i doing here why am i not happy why am i not satisfied why am i constantly struggling why do i have these these ups and downs well, then you've got to find someone that understands the nature of that to give you support but it starts with awareness and that's that's why time and silence meditation you know, meditation is very like, like you said, hippie type thing, but actually what it is, is you're removing the stimulus of all the things that, that make you human movement. You sit still sound, you're in silence, you close your eyes, you remove the visual. And then all that's left is the thoughts in your head. Those thoughts in your head are your guides. It's all you, but they are separate. Does that make sense? So with those thoughts in your head, so what about the ones which are the negative thoughts, the destructive thoughts, those ones, do you feel they're still guides as well? Oh, yeah. They hold the answers just as much as the positive ones. But the thing is, is that we perceive them as a threat 
So we fight or we ignore them when in fact they're conspiring for your well-being. So think about it from a physical standpoint. Some people might think like, oh my gosh, how amazing would it be to never be able to feel physical pain ever? Like, wow, could you imagine how much suffering you would save yourself your entire life if you never felt physical pain? Until your appendix bursts, now you're fucked because you can't feel a damn thing. You can't go get help. So like when you, when you twist your ankle and it hurts that your body being like, hey, it's probably a good idea you rest. But if that didn't exist, you would just keep destroying the tissue until it was non-functional. So is the pain fighting against you? Now you could take it personally. Oh my gosh, my basketball career, all this. Like, yeah, you can, but you're thinking on the wrong level. So it's the, it's the same thing. Anxiety, depression, overwhelm, all that stuff. When you know, when you under- shoulder. Yeah. When you, and when you understand how to alchemize it and see through it clearly, you can actually find the wisdom that it's re- re- requesting that you make. And see, a lot of times, like when it comes to the guidance from your, your angels, right? Where we, we all, we all want to be like inspired and all that stuff. Angels whisper, monsters scream. So when you don't listen to the whispers, <laughs> you will hear the screams. And a lot of times, like, you know, example of my sickness, I listened to the screams when I was in the hospital. What changed? Why don't I go to the hospital anymore? After I made that decision, right? In, in that, in that meditation, this energy work that I, that I did, I made the decision. Why did I not get sick anymore? Because I stopped demonizing the monster and started listening to when they whisper. Because like when a kid's like, Hey, mom, 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 mom. And then the, the, the parents like, oh my God, shut up. You're so annoying. No. I mean, yes, they're being annoying. You didn't listen when they were polite. Mm. That makes you the monster, not them. And so, inst- so when you sensitize yourself to negativity in your meditations and you actually call it in, all right, everything's calm. Everything's good. My life is good. I'm going to sit here quietly and be like, where's the anxiety? Listen for the whispers. Listen for the whispers. Hey, Spence, like you're a little exhausted. Oh, shit. I worked 55 hours last week. Yeah, you're right. Well, maybe, maybe tone it down a little bit instead of like, oh my God, I worked a hundred hours this week. If you're like, if you're like dying, does this make sense? So where does then like, it's, it makes total sense. I mean, we, we have a saying feather brick bus, right? It's like, first you get the feather, the feather tickles you when you've got a little issue. And then afterwards, if you don't listen to it, gets a brick and it smacks you over the head. And that really hurts. If you don't listen to the brick, then a bus comes and smacks you. And then you listen and you're made to listen. It's the same with most dudes, right? Like uh, guys who will be, you know, overweight for a bit. And they'll start with overweight, drinking too much, that sort of thing. They'll start getting brain fog, feeling heavy, all that sort of stuff. And then it gets worse and they start gaining extra weight, relationship breakdown. And then finally, it's like heart disease, cancer, like all that sort of thing. But one thing I really did want to ask you about was, when it comes to listening to those, those negative thoughts, like the fears and the anxieties, a lot of the time we live in our fear and anxiety, we internalize it, right? How much of that stuff, when we have fear of, oh, fuck, I've got to do this thing tomorrow. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Oh, I've got so-and-so. I've got, to, I've got a fight I know is going to come up with my missus when I get home. Or we have all those fears of the future. How much do we listen to that? And how do we use those words, in your opinion? Mm. In the culture that I build in my company, one of the sayings we say is conflict first, conflict first. So it's like we address conflict first. We don't let it chase us. We address it 
before it chases us. So for instance, the, ah, I've got this conversation that I know that I, I got to have with this person. When you speak to them, it's the first thing you talk about. Everybody in my organization knows that you do not end a phone call. Oh, Spence, before you go, if you got five minutes and then bring something up. No, no, no. Before we start, it's like, hey, before we get going, I got to talk to you about something. Great. Clear the air. And then when it comes like the pressure of getting things done, which is every entrepreneur deals with this, right? Is uh, it, it that pressure ends up building and building and building. We procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate until it becomes so imminent, so real that it forces us to perform. Mm. And this is a very reactive way of living. And so every single Monday, it's like church in, in, for me and for every, every one of my clients, every business that I work with, we do action planning, which is we sit down, we take a look at the calendar, we take a look at the task list and saying, what is the thing that's stressing me out the most? And then we place it in time, in the future, in the calendar. And once we have a dedicated time to do that, and you've got the discipline to living by the commitments that you make over time, which is your calendar, then there's absolute certainty that it's going to get done. That pressure relieves. Preparation. Mm. Preparation is, is, the, is the way in, in calling in that, that anxiety before it is the brick over the head. Yeah. So not pushing it off, actually using it. It's, that's cool. I love that. Because the, the solution to anxiety is action, is getting something done and like bringing the future into the now, which is, yeah, yeah. that's super cool. So that's then, what planning is, bringing the future into the now and, and like setting yourself up to win. So one of the big things you do is you help businesses and business owners be more successful while being less stressful, like being less stressed at the same time. Like how do you, where do you start with that? I know it's a difficult question to ask very broad, but where would you start with that? It actually ties into exactly what we were saying is what is happening throughout your week that is causing you the most stress? Let's look at that. And this is the difference between what, what I do in like a mindset coach, because it's, it's all mindset. The thing that people get confused with is they think I'm a systems guy. No, I'm a mindset guy that once we rewire your mind, okay, your thoughts, then we need to rewire your commitments, your plan, and then we need to rewire your actions, your process. And so in my mind, I'm a real mindset person. Most mindset coaches just like give you the breakthrough. Well, nobody ever in the history of anything ever wanted a breakthrough. Breakthrough is bullshit because no one wants breakthrough. We want transformation because we want transformation. Breakthrough is just the spark that lights the fire that causes the transformation. So it's necessary. Breakthrough is necessary. But it, but I, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of, you've met many people like this that always have a great idea that are struggling with this one thing. And then they had, it was like, oh my gosh, I went to this seminar. I had this huge breakthrough, huge realization, only to watch them one month, two months, three months later, slide back into their old patterns because they didn't have a structure to implement that breakthrough and no way to measure whether they did. And so the way we measure is through integrity. It's the only KPI where your, 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 um, your thoughts your commitments and your actions, all the same thing. How do you measure that? Again, through, uh, through documentation and reflection. So step one is you project. Step two is you document. Step three is you reflect. 
So for instance, I say that, uh, you know, I want to work out five days a week. Right. And I, and it's like, okay, great. Awesome. I had this huge breakthrough. I got to get my shit together. Awesome. So motivated now. So it's like, all right, 7am Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm going to plan. Now I got, now I committed. Then at the end of the week, I take a look at the calendar and I ask, did you do this? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, we're in integrity. Commitments or your thoughts, commitments, actions, all being the same thing. If not, now we get to have a conversation. What happened? What's missing? And now we can see what, what's wrong. It was raining outside and I had, to wa- I, I had to walk to the gym. Okay, great. So now I know in the plan, we need a solution for that. When everything goes as planned, you're going to go to the gym. But when you physically can't go outside because there's a tornado out there, what's the protocol? And now we start building systems, right? And so this is what I do in, uh, in the business is like, I, I've got uh, one client, they're doing you know, probably half a million a month. And, and she says to me, she said, uh, we spend, we plan an hour a day to talk about client success and where all of our clients are. And it ends up being three hours every single day. And it's just chewing up our, our bandwidth. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm irritable. I need an hour break uh, after that. And then he goes, explains all of that. I then go into, okay, now that, I, now that you've told me, now show me. What does this meeting look like? Okay, then they, she shows me the meeting agenda. And I'm like, well, where are you aggregating this information? How do you get the information on this person? And I literally saw this today. She clicked this application, this application, this spreadsheet, this spreadsheet. Then I check this, then I check this. And I'm like, geez, it's, it's taking you 10 minutes to just get the information. So what if we did this? What if we built a way for you to be able to click on this person? We could see everything that you want to see that would save you 10 minutes per client. You've got 200 clients. So we're talking about 2000 minutes across the five people that are on that are, that are, that are on that call. You start doing the math, right? And so it's like, well, well, how do we do that? Well, we need, we need to make sure that it's entered in a way that automates the way that uh, it populates this view that you want to see in order for you to be able to identify how this client's doing. Well, how do we do that? It, it, you see how I'm reverse engineering from like the pain in, into, like, into the steps? And then after that, it's just, it's just all automation after that. Like they, totally. they, yeah, it's, it, again, pe- people, people think it's a tech thing. It's, it's not. I'm actually not very good at tech. But I'll tell you what I have done is I have built a, a custom CRM from scratch that ran my fitness business inside and out from the client perspective to the accounting perspective to the management perspective and the KPI perspective with a coder and an, H, an HTML coder and a designer. I don't know how to write code, but I do know how to architect a system and to communicate what I want to see and how I want it to function. So I can lead a team to do something that I'm actually not very good at because I can, I can see what it needs to do. I can see the way it needs to be used and what needs to be recalled. Because you can see where everything needs to be and you can understand the way that people think, going back to the mindset guy thing. Yep. And, and, when, and when, that, when that person says, well, these, this is the bit of information we need. This is the way that we do it now. I can see the way that they're functioning. Some people are very type A and they need information. They need data, right? Other people, they need the story. They need the narrative. And so I build the systems based around what they want to see. 
Well, if you do your analysis more over story than data, it's going to be a different system. Because technology should be an extension of how you behave. It should be like an extra set of arms or like, you know, a sonar, like dolphins, <laughs> dolphins have. It shouldn't be this mechanical thing that you have to learn to operate. It should be an extension. It should require no instructional manual. It should be effortless and just work with you. Bro, you remember the TI-83 uh, graphing calculator? I don't know how old you are. I'm but, not that uh, old, bro. You're, you're a bit older than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so it was this old graphing calculator that they, that they had, and it was uh, from Texas Instrument, and the, the instructional manual was this thick, and it was so you know, rudimentary technology. Your iPhone or whatever phone you have does not come with an instructional manual. Mm. Think about that, man. The most complex, sophisticated piece of technology in the world I was getting my hair cut the other day. I saw a three-year-old on an iPad searching for things on YouTube using voice commands. That's a system it, in, it, that where, where it's an extension of how you behave. And technology and the way humans think about systems is slowly starting to change that way. But business hasn't, business is still running MS-DOS while you know, the world is on iPhone operating system. And that's the bridge that, that I gap. And that's why it's so unique what I do, because even everyone that's certified in all the whatever, smart goals and agile, whatever, that's an old operating system. And it's funny you say that because I often find that credentials just mean two parts of fuck all like that. They literally do nothing, do they? No, there's, there's only one thing that matters, man. Scoreboard. That's it. Like, don't look at my wall. Look at my scoreboard. Hmm. And so it, and, and so it's like, you can, you can talk to me about your PhD and your, and your certification and your master that <sighs> whatever, 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 you know, you can tell me that you're a doctor of this, a doctor of this, and that I don't know anything about healing, but yo, I don't get sick no more, man. Hmm. Yeah, scoreboard. You can tell me about your project management system and, 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 and all, all that stuff, but I'm currently building, I think, like seven, eight-figure companies. And when they do what I create, things get better. When they don't, they do worse universally. So, like, I mean, I can go back to school if you want me to, but we waste a lot of time. Bro, I, I was at uni, right? And it's fucking hilarious. Some of the dumbest people I ever met in my life had PhDs. Like, literally, like, they, these dudes, I would stress out about them crossing the road. I'd be like, dude, don't look. I got you. Let me hold your hand. Like, I'll, I'll help you across here. I got this. It's like, you put them in a lab, they're fine. But then when you bring in the real world, it's, it's something totally different. But there's, there's a fine line, right? Because we've got on one hand, like going through and doing that, that, that upskilling is good. It's good. It's good to upskill, but we need to do it in, in a real world way. Like, how do you upskill? How do you get better? It's, it's such a good question. By choosing my problems. What do you mean? Because by that? when I'm not experiencing problems, and this is just me. This is not like my advice for people. I told you I'm, I'm, an, I'm an odd cat that's wired weird. Real weird, um, dude. Yeah. I just up-leveled big time in, in my business. My business was, was doing great. I mean, past 18 months, we've hit every goal, every OKR. Awesome growth beyond where, where I thought I'd be. And I just brought on equity partners to partner with me just to take it to the next level. And suddenly, I went from being in the nitty gritty of the business, which I'm good at, 
and, and not having enough time for the things that I love, which is like working with people, creating new, creating new things. Right. And they, uh, I, I hired a new C, you know, I've got a new CEO. I got a new COO. I got a new, just a whole new executive team. And now I'm only in three hours of meetings a week. I have an executive meeting. I got a, a marketing meeting and I got a delivery meeting. And all of a sudden I went from working 40, 50 hours a week to really only needing to work like nine. And at first, like first 10 days, it was like, cool. Because I like, it, it was a, it was an ego hit, right? Cause I've been trying to build a business like this for, you know, 20 years. And so I was like, oh my God, I made it great. Oh my God, I made it. It was so awesome. Right. And not only that, like month over month, making more money. And then, and then slowly I started feeling like I'm not happy, I'm not depressed, like I'm bored, but then that makes me kind of, kind of depressed. And so I realized like, and I have gone through this cycle before, but it, it, it's like, if I don't consciously choose a new challenge for myself, then challenges are going to find me in order to keep me stimulated. And so it, it's when, when you conquer one thing, it's like, all right, what's the next thing? What's the next thing for you? What's the next thing that you're, you're going to master? What is the next thing you're going to master? You know, James, this is the thing that I've, uh, that, that I've been struggling with is because I like to master things enough to the point where I'm better than everybody I know, but not the best in the world. Right. And I've was golfing in the eighties. At one point I was a bodybuilder. At one point, I owned a fitness business. I taught at the National Personal Training Institute. I got good at sales. I got really good at Guitar Hero at one point. <laughs> and martial arts was, uh, you know, was, was another one. Cooking was another one. And so it's like all these things until I, I get to this point where like I, I feel great about it. And I've knocked so many of those things off of the, off of the list that I, I'm, I'm kind of at a point right now where I, I don't know. And all of my, all of my needs other than like having a family are taken care of, including my like ego needs, like the desire to be good. Right. Because when it comes to like my gifts, the drive was to prove everyone wrong, but now everyone believes me. Cause again, like scoreboard. Right. So the next thing that, you know, that I want is, is a family. And I, I came here to Costa Rica cause I was going to, I was starting a family with my girl and that blew up in my face terribly. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, you, you can hear the story on my podcast, but we lost the baby. She lied to me about it. I decided I didn't want to be with her. She tried to kill herself. I saved her life. She tried to kill herself again two hours later. And that was three and a half months ago for me. So like, what were the I'm, angels I'm, saying then? You're okay. I like, all right, I'll, I'll go there. What are my angels saying then? I don't know. What did they say after that? I don't know. Why? Because I'm not open to listening right now. Because it's, it's like, by the way, I started being an entrepreneur because I wanted to be a stay-at-home dad when I was 17. This has been my lifelong desire. There was no one more excited to have a kid other than me. I'm so pumped to have kids. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, it was like, on one hand, I have you know, some, some of the you know, spiritual homies that I have being like, hey, you're perfect the way you are. There's nothing you need to do in order to attract you know, the, this family into your life. And on the other hand, there's a part of me that's like, eh, you know what? 
you're not quite there yet. Like when, when your family show, when my, when my family shows up, I want to be like on the top of my game. So it's like, okay, surrender, trust, did it, persevere, did it, expand yourself in, in all directions. <sighs> Jesus did it. Follow the voice of, of your, of your guides, no matter how hard it is, just say yes and go, did it, get your shit together, did it, be healthy, did it, lead with love, give a, like follow, follow the, the gifts that, that God has given you in, in certain serve the world. Don't hold a grudge, be humble when you fuck up, address it, surrender to the fact that you're not perfect and do better in the future. Did it be personal, be, be caring, take time for yourself. Did it, did it, did it, did it. Pay your bills, pay your taxes, have a beautiful relationship with your family. Did it, did it, did it, did it. What did you and learn? And finally, finally, I thought that I was like, okay, well, here's my family, which I had thought a number of times, probably four or five times in my life. I was like, okay, this is my person. We're going to have a family. I moved to Costa Rica. I got a place in Chicago and a place in Austin. I packed all that shit up in three weeks. And then I find out that the baby had died a week before I showed up and she didn't tell me. And so right now I'm taking time to be frustrated and thank God that I have the team that I do, the systems that I've built, the culture that is, that is, that, that is, that is instilled, the hard work of, of, of building the, uh, of, of the product and the, and the skill set to be able to compartmentalize. So when it's time to work, I work. And when it's time for me to just like Fuck everything, fuck everything. Cause that whole scenario should have ended me. When in fact, I now work a quarter of the time and make triple the money. Mm-hmm. And so what are the angels saying to me? You got to figure out the next thing. And we've created the space for you to do that. The time, the money, the connections with good people. And so right now I'm surrendering to the idea that my supercomputer can't provide an answer instantly which is difficult for me. And so that's what, that's what I'm learning right now. Mm. You said something fucking awesome. I love it's like you're giving yourself time to be frustrated. What does that get you? Like, what is the benefit for you of giving yourself time to be frustrated? I believe that we're here to experience all the things, full spectrum of emotions. And because there's benefits to all of them, Right. And one thing that I've never done is I've never held a grudge and I've never been pissed at God or my guides. I've always like something happened, bad happens to me. I'm just like, okay, I accept it. We'll we'll move on. I still trust. I still love. And it's actually happened last week where I, like, I actually expressed anger, rage, and not in a loud way, just in a deep way. And to be a well-rounded human, it's important that we are familiar with the monster. So we then can control how it affects us as opposed to being soft, right? And, and, uh, and being avoidant of it. And so my parents raised me, specifically my dad, of just like, trust God and let it go. Like address it, but then just like, let it go. And I've always been able to see the value in all negative shit. You asked me about being sick. I've also had a company that went bankrupt. I've also been divorced. I mean, I was married when I was 21, divorced at 23. So not like that big of a deal, but nevertheless, some shit, right? And I've, I've found the value out of it. I've never found the value of rage because I've never actually 
experienced it and I'm there. And instead of like being the instantaneous healer, the instantaneous solution provider, I'm actually just sitting here being like, I know I'll get it. I, I know I'll find the next thing, but how can you still know who you are and be confident in the plan and your, your ability to create what you want, even in the midst of your anger and your doubt, even when it lasts a while, Oof. like that's what I'm learning right now. Hmm. I'm excited to see what you learn out of that. Thanks, man. I, I always, I always tell people at, you know, anyone that I've mentored, I'm like, if you think you're going to learn from like my genius, wait till you watch me struggle. Hmm. Cause I believe that one of the most critical skill sets in life is the ability to struggle gracefully out loud. If you can struggle out loud gracefully, just as much as you can puff your chest out and say that you're a savant level genius, right? <laughs> like the tools that you have to create and co-create with others are so vast that your imagination is just like the only limiter. So what do you mean struggle gracefully out loud? I could have got on this podcast and told you all the amazing, brilliant accomplishments that I have. And when we, when we talked the, the first time, I, I even said to him, like, I sound like I'm full of shit because I got so many great stories, right? But that's not what's real for me right now. And, and the thing is, is when people respect you because of your accomplishments and of like, and, and you're, you're, you know, you're kind and you're wise and stuff like that. And then they see that, that I'm going through this, right? And, and I'm able to speak of it as candidly as I am about my genius and my accomplishments. And I'm clearly like worked up, you know, my face is all red and shit. It shows that the absence of struggle is not the thing that makes you successful. They, they coexist. And the reason that struggle lasts so long is because we resist. And so if I'm comfortable speaking of like, honestly, bro, that's some deep shit, right? And, and not how I overcame it, right? Here's how I was depressed and sad for so, no, I'm in the middle of it. And I'm still worthy. And I'm still great at what I do. And I'm still confident, even though like in the darkest part, that rewires people's association to excellence. It's not just about playing it right and, 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 and fully knowing the answers all the time. No, it, it's, it's the ability to live in any situation and still be grateful hmm. and still be productive and, 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 and still be honest and still be like, and still be you, right? Because, hmm. yeah, I am a little brash and I am a little forthcoming of who I am. And so I, I'm that way in the positive and, and in the negative. So I think there, there's, there's so much value to that. And then in the new podcast that, uh, that I started like, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. What's the name of it? I'm just trying to tell a story. So that's why when you said here, you're like, hey, people relate to stories better. It's basically this. It's like it's the stories of life and how the things that we, that we have, that we do, process all that stuff play a role in the in the ability for that story to be possible and so the first seven episodes me going through the minute details of this story of finding out i was going to have a baby and the the just and then finding out that it, it wasn't and then her attempted suicide and and living in a country where i don't speak the language i don't <laughs> i don't know the culture i'm here by myself and just 
in, in how all of the things that I, you know, that I talk about in my marketing, right. Are, it's like, it's real shit. It's not just like get as much done in 40 hours a week as you typically do in an entire month. Like, blah, blah, blah. like sure. people are seeing through that now, which is really cool. Like all that, all that shit. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I'm so glad with the, with the team that I'm, I'm working with now because they get that is like when, when they told me they're like, all right, Spence, I told them I wanted to do a podcast. They're like, okay, great. They put a whole plan together. They're like, all right, what do you want to call it? And I was like, oh, I was just waiting for them I'm like, to, to tell me. It's like, no, we should call it the productivity power hour or something stupid like that. I was ready to just launch at them and being like, no, nope, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'd rather be poor. So don't talk to me about money. Don't talk to me about analytics. I want to do this my way. But the ultimate and irony, dude, is that when you do everything the way that you want it, you end up making more money it, every it's, time. It's so true. And I wish, especially from a marketing standpoint, that I, I would have followed that intuition. In, two, in 2012, bro, I was doing live video podcasts with guests and stuff when, you know, talking, it, it was, uh, they, they were actually called brain jams. This is when I was a dating and sex expert. And someone told me, you need to have a theme. You can't just have this open-ended video podcast where you bring in different guests and just talk. And now Joe Rogan's the most popular freaking guy, er, pod- podcaster, but all the marketers told me that I needed a VSL. Fuck you. How about this? It's like, I ain't trying to twist your brain to buy my shit. I'm trying to tell you a story and the the elements that play a role because ultimately we're all here. The purpose of life, people ask me this all the time. It's, it's quite simple. The purpose of life is to create a story worth telling. Create a story that once you're gone, others want to hear because it's valuable, because it's entertaining and it's packed with wisdom that allows the next generation to stand on the shoulders of the shit that you created in order for them to do the next thing. So whatever that is for you, like, cool, whatever. But that is what we're here to do. And that's what I wanted to make the podcast about. Mm. Which will be so much more successful than every other marketing power hour and all that sort of bullshit. You know, it's funny, dude. It's, um, I, I started this podcast. I fucking love talking. And I was like, I don't get to talk to enough cool people. Like, I just want to sit on and I want to listen. I want to learn from you. I want to learn your perspective on life. Like, that's all I want to do. And it's funny because it's actually been quite successful. The company who or, like edits it and all that sort of stuff, apparently where they're number one performing like, at the moment in terms of how quickly it's growing because I just don't give a fuck. Like all of our marketing, like I'm not a good marketer as such. <laughs> like I'm not a traditional marketer who studied copywriting and all that sort of shit. Yeah, we have really good marketing because I just, I swear way too much, which apparently people like, uh, brutally <laughs> honest and say black and white and just really, really upfront. And you know, it's, it's really refreshing because our whole culture within our organization, both employees and both and clients as well, are fucking awesome people who are just really, really authentic. Yeah. Yeah. So authenticity is the number one currency ever. It, it, it is. And, and the thing is, is like, you're right. People are getting savvy to all of the, of the clickbaity things and, uh, and all that. And technology is making it much easier to see through people's tactics And so once all the tactics are gone and once communication becomes more and more telepathic, which it's, it's getting there, all that's left is heart, who you are. And if you can communicate that clearly and who you are is truly excellent, 
and there's many forms of excellence, but truly excellent, truly kind, truly good, then it's just about finding a way to deliver that to people that brings value into their life. And that's the currency, not a clickbaity VSL. And if you stay till the end, I've got a special, oh my God. And I swear, I'm like, if you make me do a the top 10 reasons you're overwhelmed right now and how your calendar can set you free. Like, oh my God, someone should. I seriously, and I'll tell you this. I had a business when I was young. I, I made a lot of money when I was young in, in the fitness industry and I was a total asshole about it. And I, I was broke, so broke that I had to borrow money from my dog. True story. Yes, my dog had $82 and I needed it to keep my phone on. And so when I say... I'd rather be poor. I ain't joking. I've been poor. When I'd say I'd rather be dead, I'm not joking. You know how many times I've almost been dead? Seven? Like, I'm not joking. These aren't figures of speech. And so I just like, I love people and I love the unfolding of transformation. And whether that's in business or or in people's bodies or in people's relationships or whatever, that's why I like, I've done all these different things, but they're not different. It's the obsession of supporting and co-creating with other people's because I love watching the story. And so right now, I'm, do- I'm just doing it with really badass companies that are crushing it. That's cool, man. So where can, where can everybody find your podcast? What's the easiest way and to, and to learn more about what you do? Yeah. So uh, you can go to spencerburnett.com and my podcast is on there. If you go to spencerburnett.com slash brain jam, that's where you can get access to my Facebook group where I'm doing like lives and, and doing trainings and I have guests on and stuff like that. But the, I'm just trying to tell a story is I believe it's on Apple, SoundCloud, uh, YouTube, all of the, <laughs> to, be, to be honest, I don't, I don't know all the places it's on because I just, I just shoot the videos. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you, you said your, your podcast. Uh, I do the same. Mate, I just talk. I'm a moron outside of talking. Talk. I can talk. I can talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles, but in terms of doing anything tech, nah, not my jam. So someone else does that for us. Is your company Valor? You yeah, Valor yeah, Valor. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, me too. Uh, everyone and, uses Charlie. It's a big circle jerk, man. When you get to like this level of, of business in any industry, it's a giant circle jerk. You know what I mean? The, the head of, of Apple Motors used to work for Tesla. If, if you watch movies, like Adam Sandler and Kevin James are all in the same, in the same movies. Like it's all incestuous when you, when you get, because like excellence is, uh, is apparent. And Valor Media, geez, I'll give them a quick plug. You want to you talk about like getting shit done and doing it with like compassion. It's just like, I, I could not be more impressed. Uh, I could not be more impressed with their work. So I'm so glad that they've got your, your podcast up and successful. That, that means I'm coming up, bro. <laughs> yeah, dude, they're, they're awesome, man. I started doing mentoring with Charlie. So I was presenting in a friend's group, more example of the circle jerk. I was presenting with Jimmy Pomponio, who I'm going to chat with after this. I was presenting in his group, listen to Charlie for a bit. I was like, fuck, I've got to talk with that guy. I started doing mentoring with Charlie and then started going through and buying like everything that Valor Media does because it's wicked. So they do our podcasts, they do our ads, they do our landing pages, they do our video editing, our copywriting, like everything. Just so good. I, I, was, uh, I was telling my team yesterday that I've never had a business engagement that after four to six months, it was exactly what it was promised. And with Valor and with Sales Sniper, and working with those teams and now and now having them. I guess that makes me and you like cousins 
But, uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, because we're, we're doing equity with Sales Sniper as well. It's yeah. funny, huh? Yeah, I've never seen integrity and compassion and, a, and assertiveness mixed into a cocktail so beautifully. And with, with those teams, they spoke to me, they, they saw like my business was doing well and that I was rather uniquely talented. They're like, Hey man, how do you, how do you want to live? And I'm like, honestly, dude, I just like want to talk to people, want to create cool shit and shoot some cool videos. And they're like, great, do that. Come up with some cool shit. We'll do the rest. And I was like, yeah, we'll see. No, no, it was, it was exactly what, what they said. So it's been great. And it, and it goes to show like, again, it's like people process and mindset. And when you, when you can infuse systems and culture into a team, that's the machine that makes everything work in business. And when you want to take your business from that hundred K a month to that milli a month, you don't focus on those, those three things. Never going to happen. That's been the biggest shift for us is like shifting away from me doing everything. Like we could pretty comfortably make a hundred K a month, like just with me still in there. It was like the big shift we noticed when going up towards the million a month. It's like, how do I get the fuck out of the way? And how do I make it so that the business is self-sustaining? And it's like this, it's this own organism, which doesn't need me to pump its heart. It's like, it's growing without me eternally. Yeah. And that, that transition, that's where the mindset work comes in. Because you literally have a different job now. The things you worry about are different. The expectations, different. Your day-to-day, different. The way you measure your value to the organization, different. And so when you start to feel nervous, the brain starts to say, I'm nervous. Well, what did I do last time? I worked my ass off and I put my nose to the grindstone and I got into the business. So go do that to feel better. And then you do that. And they're like, hey, like, stop it. So like the it's, worst it's, thing you can do. How many times do we say, dude, I coach so many CEOs, right? And their business is scaling and it's doing really well. The team's growing and then something goes wrong. They go back into it, tank the whole business. Uh, yes. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I mean by, by imploding. It, they go back and do the things that they did. And it's like, no, the, the business needs an eight-figure mindset, eight figure operations, eight figure systems, and you're going back and you're running it like a six figure company. Like you're going to rip that shirt. You're putting on a small shirt when all of a sudden you got huge and you're wearing a large, you're going to, you're going to destroy that thing. And so, you know, that, that's what, that's what happens with, uh, with growth. And so the, once the systems are, are built, the only game is the mindset game. It's all that's left. Mm, totally. I found for me, man, like was as we were growing and we grew quite rapidly, like we're doing 30% month to month growth, which is like, it's big. So it's like, it's growing like super nicely. For me, the weirdest thing was stepping back and not having to do everything. And it's like, I had this identity of the guy, like I was everything. I did absolutely every single thing within the business to now realizing, like, realizing hey, James, chill the fuck out because you actually have people in the business who are better than you. At certain right. things, like that big ego haircut, like I'm no longer the best. I'm not the best at sales. I'm not the best at marketing. I'm not the best at program writing. Like I have my set role, my genius of, you know, the mindset and coaching and whatnot. Like that's my big thing. But everything else is like, James, get the fuck out of it because you suck. Like you're not good at that anymore. And having that ego haircut was really, really challenging. 
Yeah, that was big for me in sales and in operations because like what I was used to is like, yo, daddy brings home the bacon and everybody else eats eats from me, right? That was my role in the business before. And then it was, I can ask anyone to do anything because nobody outworks me. Mm. That, that was another big identity statement. And now I see that my new sales guy, you know, nine hours in messenger while meanwhile, I was on the beach for three hours. I'm like, I'm not outworking everybody. Like, oh no, danger, danger. I can't ask for anything. I can't ask for this person's excellence because I'm not working harder. So you see like your brain, your brain's messed. And it's like, well, no, it's, it's totally different. Like, you know, he's on commission. Like he'll get, like he, he has his motivations. Right. And, and, and that's the thing that, that he, that he loves to do. And another thing with, with sales, which the team regularly reminds me on how terrible I am at explaining, <laughs> explaining what I do, like Spence, you know, when, when they're selling the bigger deals for like 50 to 200 K they're like, we'll do all the things you come in for 10 minutes, do the demo. And then we'll, we'll see it out of the room. We don't want you ruining everything. And like to be that guy, like me, I used to teach sales at the National Personal Training Institute. Like, are you kidding me? If you don't surrender your old identity, you'll resent your new team and you'll destroy it from the inside. Totally. I think it comes down to value, man, because we have this as entrepreneurs, we have this fucked up way of attributing value. We think that our value comes because like when you're starting it, going from zero to six figures, you need hustle. Like you need to be able to hustle and work hard. That's what it is. It's just like eating shit so that you can go through and you can, you know, you can you can get your first things. Thank you. Buddy. This is my fiance, Soph. Look what she brings me. Cookies. Oh my god, Soph oh. makes the best cookies, bro. Holy shit. But back to it. So you have the we have this identity of like zero to six figures. You've got to, you just gotta hustle and grind. But then if you don't shake that. Because you keep this thing with like my my worth is how hard I am, how hard I work. Because the harder I work, the more money I make. But then it has this like inflection point where it changes and it starts being the harder you work, the less you get. Like if you and I, if we're burnt out all the time, if we're grinding, we can't be creative because creativity and adrenaline are like two opposite. It's right. like we need to like step the fuck back, be creative and start thinking about ways where we can make the business better improve our service offerings, our, our, our products, improve like everything as opposed to grinding harder. What you said is so true. And like when you are a six-figure entrepreneur and hustle is necessary, right? And you're like, hey, you need to rest. You need to rest to recover. Now my team is like, you need to rest, not to recover, to be better. Like not to get back to zero. You need space to think. And that was when I made the, the, you know, the, the transition of the hustle to now then having a, a small team and like working my, working my way up to like being a true business owner where you're no longer even the CEO. You're just the founder. Like I don't even, I don't even know what my title is anymore. I'm just Spencer, you know. I have found that the most valuable time is the time to think, not to do. That's what I'm learning, you know, right now is like, you have nothing left to do. My relation, I, I don't have a single bad relationship in my life. I don't have a single health problem. I don't have a single money problem. I don't have a single staff problem. I don't have nothing. Like learn to just be. And that for someone who grew up to be a warrior, is very difficult. It's very difficult to teach a warrior how to garden. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. But you need to have... When you need to have that, that that change in mindset, or you do burn out, and you do, and everything stops working. 
and doesn't get anywhere. Yeah. Mm. But dude, thank you so much for coming on. I fucking love this chat. This is really cool. Yeah, it was it was great. I, you know, I this is actually quite healing. So thank you for inviting me here. Like it it really allowed me to like open up even more. So uh yeah, I, I feel like like I received a bunch by by just being here. You know who really won though from this conversation? Valor Media, because the, <laughs> the, because the ads that they're going to be able to, the ads that they're going to be able to get from this, you can't you can't buy that type of publicity. You can't buy like you can't write a script for the type of things that we said. Because again, talk about being authentic. Again, scoreboard like our shit's awesome, and mm. it's you know the, because the way it's produced is so good. You know, otherwise it's just two dudes just talking. We'll have to we'll have to hit up Charlie for a discount because we just plugged in for five minutes straight. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you very much, man. I'd love to have you back on sometime soon and, and go a little bit deeper into this. For sure, dude. And let me have you on my podcast too. Oh yeah, Damn. let's do it. Yeah, for sure. Done deal. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you, man. All right. Thanks, James. Cheers, Spencer. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you got something out of it and you want to learn more, Click the link below or type in High Performance Conversations with James Can, and you'll be able to check out all the podcasts that we've done. We cover a stack of different topics, everything from getting your mojo back, overcoming anxiety, self-doubt, self-esteem, and learning from some of the industries and some of the world's top performers in both business and in health. Look forward to having you on there.